Amen. Guys, we are in part two of Faith Phenambulist. That's right. I keep looking over there for the screen and I forget. We're online. It's probably right over here. But anyhow, that's okay. In case you missed last week, I got to tell you, you have to go listen to last week. I don't always say this. I do say it a few times, specifically for this week, because this week we're going to be focusing more on the practical aspects of the series that we have been in. Last week, in case you're like, what was that word, phenambulist? What? Faith phenambulist. We have been in a series called Faith Phenambulist for this reason. We've been talking about phenambulism. And what that is, is just this fancy word for tightrope walking. You know that the picture that we had on like the, the picture, like, like going from one like hilltop or like one like valley canyon point type thing to the other. Imagine like a long tightrope if you're in Canada or the States, you can think of Niagara Falls and walk in on a tightrope from one end of the Niagara Falls to the other. The, 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 and the idea is this, that in life we face this tension of what it means to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ and living in our culture at the same time. Living in our culture that opposes faith. Living in a culture that opposes Jesus. And how as we try and live out our faith, it's almost like walking on the tightrope of life. We feel the pressure and the stress and the tension of every decision and choice that we make. Because the world and the culture that is constantly trying to influence us is so opposed to Jesus. In a world, I mean, just, let's just take a few examples. In a world that says, yeah, seek revenge, get your own, Jesus says, don't. In a world that says, you know what, you have a right to be angry, hold on to it, it's your right, Jesus says, forgive. Continuously, we see over and over again how the way of Jesus is so different from the way of the world and the way even of just our natural selves. And, and we... And we constantly hit up and bump against this in life. Whether it's in university and the friends you got in university, whether it's in college, whether it's in school, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's among family members, wherever there's a relationship, wherever there are people, we face this. We feel the pressure in every step that we take. That's, that's, that's the whole idea of like, you know, walking on a tightrope. And we know that this whole process of life is high stakes. As followers of Jesus, we know that God's calling us to move forward. God's calling us to step out in faith. God's calling us to walk and trust him throughout each and every single step. But we know in every step that we take, it's high stakes. There's no harness holding us down to the rope just in case we fall. We're walking. We're free walking. And we know that if we fall, Coming out of the analogy, we know that in life, with every choice and step that we take and decision that we make, there's real consequences. It's high stakes. Whether it's hurting other people, whether it's being hurt ourselves, or worse. And so what we've been doing in this series is discovering how to live in the tension as disciples. How to manage the pressures that we face as we are moving forward. Instead of running away and escaping the hard decisions, escaping the pressure, because let's be honest, that's what we do, right? Whenever we boil up, and this is, again, culture's you know, influence on us. Whenever we get to a high stress level point, whenever we're, like, we're at a place where it's a breaking point, whenever we have to make a really big decision, what's the one thing that we love to do? Escape it. 
AKA TV, Netflix, social media, whatever. Escape the pressure, escape the pain, and run away from it rather than learning how to manage it. And then what happens is we go to our faith and we treat our relationship with God like this. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's a way that we can manage the pressure. There's a way we can maneuver through this situation and work through the tension. In fact, James talks about it, that when you face trials of various kinds, when you face the struggles, when you face the stress that comes, there's a way to work through it. There's a purpose throughout all of it. And it's realigning our heart and our thoughts, being able to see what God is really doing, and then learning how to endure as we move along. And so we went last week, Real quick recap, we went to 1 Peter 2.15, right? Can we pull up 1 Peter 2.15? This is what it says, we read this, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to shame the silence, uh, you should put to silence rather, the ignorance of foolish people. We read this verse how it's God's will, it's God's desire that we should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And then we also understood that, you know what? It sounds really rude at first, but it's not. That he says, put to silence the ignorance of people, not just silence people, put to silence their ignorance, which helps us understand that ignorance is just a lack of understanding. And then in fact, when you put to silence or quieten lack of understanding, what it actually means is you're giving clarity. You're giving an opportunity for people to understand. And we understood this that in fact, when we choose to do good, when we choose to respond with good, not revile back, not revenge back, not hurt back, but forgive first and love first, we're choosing the better way of life. In fact, that kind of life is the gospel preached to those people. That it is every single time we live like that, it's salvation, it's an opportunity where they can in fact see Jesus embodied in you. And we learned and we, and we saw that, man, that is so important. This is God's desire, this is God's will as a follower of Jesus Christ. And for the next few weeks, what we're gonna be doing is walking through, well, what does it look like that? To be good, how do I practically do this in my life? Because Peter then identifies a few things. In 1 Peter 2, 17, it's two verses later, he says this. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And today we're gonna to start with that first one, honor everyone. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you know what it means to honor everyone? Do you know how hard that must be to honor everyone? Honor is very different from love. Love is deep, absolutely, don't get me wrong, but honor, there's like, a, there's like an action thing that you gotta do to honor someone. There's a, there's a point of action, very physical, tangible action that is called to honor people. And when Peter was, was writing this letter, go back uh, in, in the historical context of what's going on and who is it being written to. The oppressed disciples, those who are going through persecution, who are literally kind of like refugees in their own little land being displaced, are reading Peter's letters. And they're going through a hard time literally being killed for believing in Jesus. And then they read this. I can imagine them. They're reading honor everyone. I can see them going, yo, somebody get a quick spell check on that word. Is it really everyone? 
I can see the next side, but you know what I'm right? Read the next few lines. See if he says accept anywhere. You know, just make sure it's clear. Make sure, you know, because there's some people that I'm sure Peter didn't know what they did to me. Peter did not. Peter's not in my shoes. Peter don't know. And yet, yeah, 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 here's the thing. Peter doesn't do that. God, Holy Spirit, speaking through Peter. In fact, <laughs> if you ask me, it makes it even more clearer and harder. He says these other things. He says not just honor everyone. He says love the brotherhood. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, even those who hurt you. Even those you ran away from because you just wanted to escape the hard conversations and pain. Then he says, fear God. I'm not even going to get into that because that's a whole other conversation and we'll get into that to week three, two weeks from now. And then he says the one thing that they did not want to hear. They didn't want to hear this. And he says, honor the emperor. You see, during this time, Christians were actually considered a cult. They were considered a cult from the Jewish faith. And so they were persecuted. They were mocked. They were ridiculed. They were made fun of. They were like, yo, these weirdos. Drinking blood, eating flesh. Like they made fun of Christians. And that was to their hurt and pain and even worse persecution. Because history tells us that many Christians were eaten by animals. Literally forced and, and, and just devoured by animals. History tells us that Christians were burned alive for their faith. So when these guys tell you, it's, 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 it's funny to look back for a second just to think of the history, but then we're faced with this real serious moment where they were really in pain. They were really struggling by those who were in government who were forcing these kinds of laws and making it illegal to be a Christian. And then Peter says, honor everyone, including those who are in authority. How do we honor everyone? How do we do that? How do we honor those people that don't like us? How do we honor those people that might even hate us? How do we honor the government when they infringe on our rights and they attack us in, in, in other ways? How do they, when they take away our, 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 our rights and freedoms, how do we honor the government by the choices that we make? It's hard. It's not easy. But we gotta start with the word honor. In the Greek word, the word honor, the way it's described, the way it's, it's defined and, 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 and understood is, is worth. It's when you give somebody worth or value. It's when you give someone, I like the, the NIV translation uh, in, in the way they translate uh, that verse. It says how you treat people with respect. It's this idea of do you treat these people with respect? And as I was thinking, what does it mean to honor and live like that? in a healthy way that follows Jesus and in his steps, there's no better example than Jesus himself. There is no better example of a person who shows honor to people, who shows value to everyone. In fact, his entire life, if you think about it, was literally about giving people honor who had no honor. Giving and showing people their worth and their value when they felt like they had no worth or no value. In fact, many of you might be here today because that's exactly what you've experienced Jesus do for you. When Jesus had no 
responsibility. He didn't have to do the things that he did. But he chose to. And he set that as an example for you and me. And what I want to do for the rest of the sermon is really just walk through and just kind of like jump from a few different examples of how Jesus lives this way. There's a story documented in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 39. Write these down and and make sure you read them afterwards. I'm going to bounce around a few, so I'm not going to necessarily go right into it. But it's a story of how Jesus is invited into this Pharisee's house for this banquet to honor Jesus in this party. And there was this woman who's known for her sin. And when somebody says that, it means that it was publicly clear that this woman was a sinner and she was kind of, and in their culture, it was like, they shun those kind of people. They don't have interactions with those kind of people. And it's a story of how this woman who is known as a sinner comes to Jesus weeping at his feet, puts perfume and, and, and ointment and, and, and almost like anoints Jesus' feet. In typical standards, this was actually considered something that you would do for someone you revere, something that was extremely expensive, the perfume that she poured on Jesus' feet. But the Pharisees, who were most likely the, the group of people that were invited to this party and also the person who, whose house it was who was hosting this party, they had a very, and they, and they do have a very judgmental mindset, a very self-righteous mindset that they wouldn't even interact with this group of people who were considered, oh, they're sinners. They wouldn't. And so surprisingly, she makes her way And she does this to Jesus and everybody else. You can imagine gasping. Jesus, who's gaining so much popularity and trend because the the crowds are following him, thousands over thousands over thousands. And in the midst of everyone, what any normal Pharisee would have done would have been like, get away from me. That's what they would have done. And yet here we see Jesus. Shows her honor in the midst of everyone. What would have been social suicide for anyone? Jesus says, no. This is how we show honor and value and worth. Here's the first piece of insight for doing good, for living in this tension and trying to figure out how to maneuver as a follower of Jesus in our culture today. My first point is this, honoring others may come at personal expense. Choosing to honor others may come at personal expense. That's not something the world says, yeah, let's cheer that on. But that's the way of Jesus. Where even though he knew socially people were going to laugh at him, make fun of him, ridicule him, eventually try to kill him because they didn't like him. But Jesus knew that showing this woman honor and respect was so, so important. And that's the way of Jesus. That we choose to honor everyone, even if it means it comes at personal expense. I think of those moments where you go to defend someone and help someone out, and how everyone else will start grouping you along with that group and will put you in and start to identify you as and label you as whatever. And now you are facing personal expense for something that wasn't yours. And selfishly will think, well, that wasn't mine. Why did, I, why did I jump in? But Jesus calls us to honor everyone, even if it means it comes at a personal expense. What I also see here is that honoring others 
means defending the defenseless. Honoring others means defending the defenseless. It means standing up for those people who are struggling, who can't stand up for themselves. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow Jesus in the way he lived and did ministry. That we would stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. It's not popular. It's not highly liked. But this is what Jesus calls us to. I think of another time when children came to Jesus and, and, and you have to also remember this, that in their culture, 2,000 years ago, right, children were not considered valued or, or like, you know, were, 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 were cared for as precious as we consider and, and treat children today. In fact, 2,000 years ago, because of how Jesus interacted with children, is what influences our treat, uh, treatment of children and how much we care about and value children today. But back then, they didn't care. It wasn't really, you know, considered, like children weren't considered uh, uh, as, as valuable. And so in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 to 15, make sure to, to open it up and read it as well. But children are brought to Jesus in this moment. Matthew, disciple, you know, writes this down to document what's happening. Some, some people have brought children before Jesus and the disciples quickly butt in and they push the children aside. And they, in fact, the word that's used there is they rebuke the people that brought the children. You know, and you can imagine what the rebuke is. The, the teacher doesn't have time. The rabbi doesn't have time for your children. And yet Jesus steps in and he says, let them come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus shows again value where any other political leader or spiritual teacher would have said, I don't have time to spend with the kids or would have thought, no, they don't have money. They don't have influence. They don't have power. They don't help me in any way or give me any advantage at all. And yet Jesus spent time with them. Honoring others is not, excuse me, is not for personal advantage. Honoring others is not for personal advantage, and yet how much in this culture do we live the opposite of this? Where we only honor the people that are going to give us some sort of advantage. Where we only respect or show that level of respect or that level of value and worth to the people that were like, you know what, I'll scratch, you scratch your back, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, right? And yet Jesus is like, it's not a personal advantage type thing for me. I'm just going to care and spend time with these children, which he did. See, we honor people because Jesus has given each person intrinsic value, meaning regardless of how you feel about them, regardless of what they've done to you, that they are an image bearer of God. Doesn't matter whether they're in jail or whether they're sitting in the government's highest position. They are still created in the image of God and if Jesus has created them, then they deserve respect. I also think of the time when Jesus interacted with uh, the, the authorities, honoring them, but not at the sake of truth. Jesus always spoke and lived by the truth, accepting whatever consequence followed him afterwards. Jesus, I take a few examples. Jesus was before Pilate, 
was asked, are you the son of God? And Jesus didn't lie. He knew what was going to come. He knew what he had to face. And he didn't dodge it. Didn't escape it. It was hard for him. In fact, there's this whole story of how he was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was betrayed and taken off, before he was killed. And he didn't dodge it. He embraced it. Didn't dishonor, but at the same time, stood by the truth. In fact, he, before in his life, he helped the centurion, which was a Roman official. Wasn't off their clan, wasn't off their people, and yet he helped them by healing his servant. Later on, when he was asked, questioned by some people about paying taxes to Caesar, whether the, the Jews should just revolt like the zealots were, like the, the passionate people were that were going and just, uh, you know, uh, uh, striking down anybody in authority because they were just trying to start up a new movement. This would have been Jesus' time to speak up and say, yes, let's do it. Low-key, the disciples thought that they were going to do it. And then what does Jesus say? You guys know the verse, I know you know. He says, give, to, give Caesar what's his. Right, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. And then he finds this beautiful balance. He says, but give to God what is God's. Jesus just somehow strikes this beautiful balance in honoring the authorities that are in place, but at the same time, honoring God. See, honoring the government today means being truthful and being honest, submitting to their authority as long as it's not a matter of denouncing faith or leading to sin. Which at that point, you and I know that we answer to a much higher authority. That we are here at most 60, 70, 80, 90 years maybe. But God is the one who is the author and finisher of life. He is the one who holds eternal life in his hands. Greater it is to respect him more than anyone else. And so first we bow our knee to God and then we honor all those that God has put in place. That if God and government were ever to clash, our goal must always be to honor God, not in a rude and, and violent way, but in a way that emulates Jesus as well. I mean, this is what Jesus went through in his life when he was persecuted. This is what the early church went through, or killed for believing in Jesus, or were, were tortured until they were denounced their faith, and some wouldn't. You know, whatever theories or ideas you may have about the government, however you may feel about the government, our ultimate goal should be to honor them, which means respecting them, obeying them, as long as it doesn't lead us to sin, as long as it doesn't lead us away from God. Because we understand this deeper truth, that Paul, who's a contemporary of Peter, Paul who wrote during the same time, in Romans 13, he, he says this. He says, remember your leaders. Oh, sorry, no, that's, I want Romans 13. Is that up there? Pull up Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1 says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We understand that God, in fact, is sovereign over all things in the end, and that we First, to submit to God, and then honor all those that he asks us to. And so to recap, 
What does it mean to honor everyone? It means defending the defenseless. It means that it may come at a personal cost. Honoring people are not for your personal advantage. It's not to go in with a selfish mindset, but instead to go with a mindset that recognizes that showing one another value is based on who God has made them, in what position God has put them. Less about you and more about what God has done in them. And that honoring government means submitting to them as long as it doesn't lead us to sin. And I have to add this one, it's not a caveat, one additional point. Peter, when he writes honor the emperor, he's not thinking about spiritual authorities. He's thinking thinking about local and civil authorities, absolutely. But this is true of spiritual authorities as well. Hebrews 13, 7, verse that just came up, says this, remember your leaders, talking about spiritual leaders, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, if you were to ask me, hey, Pastor Ruben, in our culture today, in discipleship today, what is one of the biggest hurdles that the Western church faces? And I'll tell you, it's submission to spiritual authority. We don't understand in our culture what it means to submit to the authority, the spiritual authority that God has put in place. I'm talking about the church leaders. I'm talking about the pastors that he's put in your life. And this is a whole other topic, a whole other series, a whole other conversation. But I wanted to include there that honoring everyone especially includes honoring and respecting and listening to those who are a spiritual authority in your life. To wherever you call church home, whatever church you say, this is my church, this is where I belong, that's the spiritual authority you submit to. Because I believe that if you're not doing that, it's impossible to say you're honoring God and dishonoring the people that he's put in place for you to listen to, that you can't avoid listening to spiritual authority. You can't avoid honoring those who God has appointed and say, yeah, 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 but I'm still honoring God. I'm still living the way God has called me to as well. Hold the conversation, but I wanted to include that and remind you of that as well. See, in the end, in the end, we should be imitators of Jesus in how we show honor. I mean, think about those moments when people are making fun of someone. You're in a group with coworkers and then someone just starts getting picked on and teased, defenseless. You can tell it's not normal or natural for them and they don't know how to fight back or say something back. So often we don't want to be clumped in with them, right? And so what do we do? We walk away. We say, ah, I don't want that. And yet, Jesus says, honor everyone, which looks like defending the defenseless, standing up for what you know is not okay. Because no one deserves to be mocked or ridiculed. I mean, think about how the world views us. They think like, oh, we hate homosexual people. They think, oh, we hate other religions. They think, oh, we hate anyone who disagrees with us. And yet that's not true at all. 
honoring even those people, even though they might have hatred towards us, is choosing to say, I will continue to show Jesus' love to you. I will continue to be imitators of G- an imitator of Jesus. No matter what you do to me, that the truth is we don't hate anyone. That we can have disagreements and yet still totally love you as a person. Think about your family. It's so easy to go and do what is socially acceptable. Go and help the poor and help the widow and help the orphan and give give food to those who are hungry. Socially acceptable, it's good. But what about those in your own home who you won't talk to, who you're holding on a grudge, who you're like, you know what, you said something to me and I'm not gonna let that go. What about starting with those who God has placed closest to you and starting there, loving them first, showing them Jesus through your actions, that even if they dishonor you and yet, you will not dishonor them back. Maybe you had a really poor moment in life where you were like, I was speaking about some people. I was speaking bad. I was gossiping. I was bad mouthing. I was cursing. And I was tearing other people down. And you're in a place where you're like, I recognize that's so awful. I should have never done that. Make the situation right. Jump in. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. Go talk to that person. Make the situation right. Show them the level of honor that Jesus shows us. Whether it's deserved, no matter how we feel. Not for personal gain. Purely because Jesus gives us value. Jesus showed us how valuable you and I are. And I wonder if just for a moment, we would... Just embrace how valuable we are to Jesus. Because I feel like if we recognize how much Jesus has done for us, it should push us even further to forgive others even more, to show such honor and value to other people even when we feel like they still hate us. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick moment as Jonathan plays on the piano. And I want you to, wherever you happen to be, just bow your head with me for a second. And I want you to just ask Jesus, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ, or whether you're a faithful follower of God, if, if you're willing to take this act of faith with me, close your eyes, bow your head before Jesus, and just say, Jesus, would you please speak to me? Is there anyone in my life whom I have not honored the way I should be honoring. Take a moment. 